Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. I have to get my reading glasses. Okay, so Bill. You got it? Yeah. yeah. Are you ready? Can I make corrections along the way? No. I'm sorry. <laughs> are we ready? Yeah. Okay. William Edward Fickner, not a junior. My father's middle name was Frederick. Oh, my God. Was born on Mitchell Field Air Force Base on Long Island and raised in Cheektowaga, New York. We already lost like 10,000 listeners. <laughs> yeah, but we gained 10,000 in Cheektowaga. <laughs> After graduating from Farmingdale State College in 1976 with an associate's degree in criminal justice, he attended SUNY Brockport and earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in criminal justice oh, Jesus. in 1978. This is really He then boring. studied at the American, really give Academy, American Academy of Dramatic Arts in New York. Can, can Mr. you do Fickner, an accent? <laughs> Mr. Fickner has since appeared in a number of films and TV series, Come becoming on, dude, known a, a for his roles as, as uh, Chef Tom Wanderlei in Invasion. Oh, that's uh, good. That's good. Alexander Mahone on Prison Break and Adam Janikowski on, on the hit TV show for CBS Mom. That's good because you weren't too heavy handed with it. All right. Now, let's see if you can read this next part in one breath. His film appearances include Heat, Contact, Armageddon, Perfect Storm, Gold, Crash, Blades of Glory, Black Hawk Down, The Longest Yard, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, The Dark Knight, Date Night, The Lone Ranger, Elysium, Independence Day Resurgence, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Damn. You did take a tiny breath, I, well, but, that, but, but that was but no, still it was an so accent breath. impressive. I did it for, you know. And what was your favorite project of those last ones? Of the list right there? Yeah. Uh, I, my eyes gravitate to Black Hawk Down. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. He recently wrote and directed the feature film Cold Brook, which opens in theaters November eighth and has already won several film Did you say festival Cold awards. Broke? Cold Brook. Okay, good. Mr. Fickner is a fan of the Buffalo wait, Bills wait, wait. and the Buffalo Sabres. Wait, I don't want to skip over Cold Brook. Hey dear listeners. Bill, my amazing co star on Mom, wrote and directed this brilliant movie called Cold Brook. When was that screening? The screening that we had was a little over a year ago. Wow. That was the first time, the first time that it was ever seen in front of uh, an audience. I get really nervous about watching my own face move. Well, listen, a long story short, first week of rehearsal, because I don't like watching myself. I don't, I, I don't watch myself on this show. I'm mom. Yeah. Five of the last 10 films I've worked on, I haven't watched. I'll do anything not to watch it. It doesn't really matter. I don't, I don't need to watch it. But here I am playing the, the co-lead and right. directing this film. And I found out in the first week of post-production with my editor that I was starting to cut myself out of the film. I remember you told me this. Yeah. I found myself like, you know, loving the stuff that I was watching of all the other actors. And uh, well, how about we cut away here? And how about we cut away there? And after three or four days, Karen came in one day and he showed me a scene that we were going to work on that day. But instead of looking at the footage for the first time, he put something together. And I was like, Okay. All right. That was really good. So this is what we're going to do from now on. We're going to work on the scenes we're going to work on during the day. At the end of the day, let's take an hour and talk about what we're going to do the next day. And you come in an hour before me, you go play around a little bit because you need to lead the way on this. I'm in every scene practically, and I'm going to cut myself out and I'm not going to serve the film. So literally week one, we made that adjustment and I had to get off the fact of like, you got to watch yourself, buddy. So what were those unexpected challenges of directing? As far as the directing goes, the biggest surprise that I had literally happened day one, which is you need to find an actor's language for each actor and what they hear. When Robin Weigert, who plays my wife in it, asks me a four-minute detailed question. You better have a four minute detailed answer back with her. Cause that's what she hears. Brad Henke, who plays chip in the film, the big security guard. He's an emotional. He's so great. Yeah. He's an emotional being. You just appeal to the right emotion for him and let him go. Kim Coates was different. He's my best buddy. I'd look at him and go, you know, really? You're going to do it that way? Did he rag on you? Yeah. Did oh, you, guys every do? Day. yeah you guys probably just were like, fuck you. Fuck you, Dick. I yeah. But <laughs> it's finding an actor's language. Everybody needs to hear something else. When you find that, that person listens. And it's not like somebody had this conversation with me. It just was a realization of like, you know what? I think this is what I've been doing my whole life. Like, you know, trying to get an, a language with directors that I work with. That's what you do. But I've never sat on this side of the fence. And I got to find that for everybody. Well, I love it that you talk about this because I've definitely been on sets where you don't feel safe. If I attempt this 
thing that I think might be funny is going to like fall flat on its face and then I'm going to get yelled at and hold everybody up because everybody wants to go to lunch. So I love it that you, your consideration of actors' sensibility. And I know on Mom, you've witnessed all of us like having our own neediness and you're amazing. (laughs) So I wanted to ask you about this. How did you get recruited into Mom? Okay. So you know that 29 years ago, I put myself on tape in New York. I was living in New York. I put myself on tape for a show called Grace Under Fire. I was so pissed off at my agent because I read it. And it was a multi-cam sitcom. And I remember when I got the sides, I called my agent up. And believe me, at that point, nobody talked bad to their agent. You were so lucky that you had one. But I remember calling them up and having an argument and going, why the fuck would you send me this? No one in the world is ever going to hire me for a nerdy petrochemist on a show called Grace Under Fire. I went, I put myself on tape, got a call like two days later. They sent the video to L.A. The call was packed for 30 days or one day. It's up to you. But if you go out and you get it, you're there for three or four shows in a row. If you don't get it, you turn around, you come back the next day. Your agent said this. Yeah. Anyway, I, I read it. So I went out and I auditioned for it. And I stayed for 30 days. It was a Chuck show. So you got it. So I got it. I did it. It was the last seven episodes of the first season of the show. Oh, your first professional LA experience was multicam. Yeah. So you did theater and theater, commercials. A little bit of commercials, a little bit of television. In, all in New York. All in New York. You moved to LA. You're on a multicam. I didn't even move to LA. I would just go stay in the hotel, turn around on weekends and go back. So I go out, I do the show, we finish the season. Where'd you stay? I stayed at the Universal Hilton. Were you single? I was not. I had Sam. Oh, okay. I had my older one. Okay. Um, Who's fast, fast, so handsome. Thank you. By the way, Sam made a short film this summer and wrote it, directed it, and entered it to the Portland Film Festival and just won it. What? Yeah, he did. What's it going to feel like when our children surpass us? Oh, please. It's going to feel awful, isn't it? Can't wait for the day. Really? Oh, yeah. You wouldn't be jealous? Do you have have like father, son, uh, like competitive? So you're great. So 24, 25 years go by. And I ran into Chuck a couple of times over the years. I remember one time walking on the lot, uh, maybe in a restaurant one time. But I don't really know Chuck that well, except for way back then. And I don't think that was a fun time for Chuck. So it's not like, you know, we were, you know, had a ton of conversations. But he called me up and he said, listen, I have something on this show, Mom. I'm going through a little bit of a process right now. I'm not sure. But I think it's going to work out and I would like you to do it. But I'd like to send it to you. And I want to hear what you think about it. But if you like it, you got to give me three or four shows because I want to do a little arc with this character. And that was season three. So I said, sure, sure. You know, nice to talk to him. And he sent it to me. I got right back to him. I said, it's great. It was like a Thursday. We were leaving on Saturday to go to Prague. We were going to Prague for like 10 days, just the two of us. My sister Margaret was flying out to watch Van. And so the next day they called me up and they said, start on Monday. And I looked at Kimmy and I went, I like this thing. We're literally packing the suitcase. My sister's in the air flying here. And I say, I, I, I don't know what to say to you, but I would rather do this than go on the trip. Kimmy looked at me and she said, really? Cause I'm so overwhelmed with the holidays. I don't want to go. I'm like, really? Oh, and she's like, I don't want to go. It's too much. I'm like, Oh, this is great. I called him back. I said, I'm doing the mom show. Take your goulash. I'm taking <laughs> I stayed, I did the show, and, and then a couple of months, I think, after that little arc, got a call like, you know, we like this. Do you want to come back? Yeah. yeah. Okay, can I tell you how it happened for me? Tell me. <laughs> Do you know? No. It wasn't like that. <laughs> okay. I'll take you back to, uh, let's go with December 13th, uh, 2011. Uh, my neighbor friend, who was working on Two and a Half Men, beautiful actress, uh, invited me over to a holiday party. So I walk down the street and uh, I'm there at this party and everybody's like drinking and having a good time. There's a fella in the corner who's playing jazz guitar and somebody who's like, that's Chuck Lorre. Chuck Lorre's over there playing jazz guitar. 
And so I like I did this awkward introduction, like big fan of your work. And then a few weeks later, I get this script on my doorstep. And it was a script for mom without any information. So I, I called my agent. I was like I, I, like, I got this script and it seems really good. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been meaning to call you about that. Yeah. So Chuck wants to meet with you like tomorrow. And I was like, oh, okay. So, so is this an audition? He said, no, 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 it's not an audition, but just be prepared to read scenes B, D, <laughs> and F. Yeah. No, it's like, not so, an audition. So, so it's an audition. <laughs> no, 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 but just, you know, be prepared. Like, so, wait. <laughs> so I go in, I'm sweating, palm sweating. I did that thing where I try to fill in the silence and make a lot of small talk that ends up being really awkward, especially with people you don't know. But it felt really gratifying because I love winning a role with an audition. But it was also like, I don't know what is going on. Okay, I want to ask you, did you go to your 20th high school reunion? No, I missed my 20th. I went to my 10th and I was all set to go on my 20th. And I was working on a film called... This is going to be a tragic no, story. It's Somebody's called Strange die. Days. And I'm working. I was on a Friday night and I had a flight in the morning. I was going to make it back to Buffalo, change planes in Chicago. I was good to go. I was so excited. And on the call sheet for Monday, there was some little asterisk on Saturday. And I'm like, what, what is that? And they're like, oh, it's second, second unit. unit. You have second, second unit, unit tomorrow. What do, you, what do you mean I have second unit tomorrow? Yep, yep. We've been working we on this film for- We just need a quick shot. Like, we just need a few inserts. Four and we, freaking oh, so months. We need and, you and to you jump out of the car. second unit tomorrow? <laughs> did not make my 20th. <gasps> did that bum you out? Yeah, I did. How do you think people would describe you? Your, I don't know, classmates? Uh, outgoing. Yeah. Um, athletic. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, those tend to be the. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70 percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, did you go to prom? Yeah, both. Both? Well, what I do you mean both? Well, I went to my prom, and then the girl that I was dating, she was a junior, I was a senior. Mm -hmm. So then when I went away to college, and we broke off, but then when her prom came up, she asked me to come back home. Oh. I had to go. I did want to talk to you about, I know that you know a lot about sports. I compare this format to baseball, having never played baseball by I, this format. Our show? Multi, yeah, multi, just yeah. multi-cam in general. Would you, do you think that that could be accurate or do you think that there's a better sport? We need to figure out which sport is the most dysfunctional and then we're going to be, we're going to be right on the right road. Don't you think it's a tight ship? There are so many dynamics that go into the simplicity of what happens. That's why I say to you all the time, Anna, it's Friday night. You know, I love Friday nights. I know. Because when Friday nights come, first of all, you're, you're spending the time during the week reading incredible words because there's probably not a writing staff that's better than what's on mom. And I mean that. They're, oh, uh, they're the, just unbelievable. Brilliant and writers, what they change yeah. on Monday on Tuesday is better than what it was on Monday. And it's better Wednesday. It just goes that way. But the specificness, how the writers are viewing what they do, how every little piece is kind of a little bit under a, a microscope. It's not like I ever get a true sense during the week that like, oh, man, we just have the sort of freedom that we're really exploring and finding something out. They right. don't really want to explore and find out they want those words. And you know what? They wrote them for a reason. And sometimes even when you skip a word around, it's 99 out of 100 times better the way they wrote it. Yeah. So. Go with it. Got to trust it. I got that. But come Friday night and there's an audience out there. And if they find something funny or they're with you in a moment, all of a sudden it's not about anybody else but them just for a few moments while it's happening. And that to me is the joy of the whole week. 
But I feel like we've only had like two scenes. Like, so far this year, I know. I know. Yeah, we're almost halfway through. Yeah. We need more. I can look to you and know that you know the tone. You don't feel the pressure to be larger than your character ever would be, which makes me feel like you're our anchor. I so appreciate you. You're just brilliant. And I know that you're also working with six ladies. How do you feel about that? I've said this to you before, but I'll, I'll say it because we're on the cast right now. But you know, as I've shared with you, I grew up from eight years old on with my mother and four sisters. It's a circumstance that unless you've gone through it, it's hard to describe. Fast forward 40 years and I work on a show with six dynamic women. And sometimes you've said to me on the side, I don't know how you do it with all these ladies. Allison said it to me. I think everybody's said it to me at some point or another. But the truth is, I, it's the only thing I can go back to. When I grew up in my, in my teens, I was closer to women than I was to guys. I knew women. That's and, why you leave at lunch all the time. <laughs> I am out the door. We don't have a ton of drama on our set, right? Like, there's a lot of love. A lot of um, love. A lot of respect for what's going on. And there's something to hold up. And, and at this point, you've been here since day one. I came in for guest spots on, on season three, and now it's season seven. But I will tell you, I do get a sense of whether it's, it's subconscious or not, but there is a sense of honor about what we do because this show is that good and it will always be that good. I don't care if it goes eight years, nine, ten. I don't think it'll ever take a dip any day that it's ever here, whether I'm on it or whatever. I just don't believe that'll happen because I don't think we all have that as performers. Oh, it's such an amazing job. Getting back to you, though, would you ever compare multicam to a sport um no fine but can't i make my <laughs> case with baseball Listen, i love it when Please. you make your case go ahead having never played it the reason why i think multicam feels akin to baseball is because you have the setup and then you've got like the person who needs to knock it out of the park then you've got the reactor over there in the left field. But you don't agree with me. I'm trying to get a vision, a baseball vision. No. You could also make an argument that it's kind of like football. There's also, Okay, this is what I want to talk all, about. There's all, all right. sorts of preparation. You get to Friday nights and all of a sudden that curtain right. goes, they hike that ball. Right. All the other preparation right. goes away and it's boom, right now. Right. Did it work? Did you do it? Okay, tell us about the weird thing you brought because it is very weird. You want to describe it? <sighs> all right, so... Bill brought something weird. They are two leather, uh, I don't know, they're maybe like three feet in size? Yeah. Three feet in size. Uh, they're very well worn. They're leather. Did I mention that? I can't remember. Yep, yep. But, they're all uh, leather. Okay. I'm not doing a great job describing, but you know what I think they are? Ice hockey things. But before you confirm this, Bill, let's just assume they are ice hockey leg paddings, a goalie. I'm thinking from, let's say, 1948. Um, <laughs> this is my guess. Your grandfather was an ice hockey player. And after the war, when he came back, he would heal his mind of post-war by joining his local hockey team. How am I doing? I think you need to write that story. <laughs> I was going with you there. All right, I'm going to give you the whole scoop. Okay, so it's 19... 72. Okay, I was close. 1972. <laughs> Earlier I said I went to two proms. Yeah. All right. Her name is her name is Jenny. What? Yeah. And and I'm crazy about Jenny. And she says to me, All right, on Saturday night, we're going to bingo at St. Barnabas, the local church. Why is Jenny going to bingo? Because Jenny likes bingo with her girlfriends. Sure, and sure, she's sure. like, You're my boyfriend. Well, we're it's going a to a game of strategy. Everybody exactly. knows that. <laughs> so, so we go to bingo, but What's happening now is that Jenny wants me to buy her this ring because the popular ring at the time. Oh, a promise ring? The pro no, the popular ring was a little pearl ring. And if you got one white and one black, it was like a night and day pearl ring. It was probably Whoa. about $25 to get one of these. So that was like okay, the big wait, thing. Does that mean that like you're pinned? Yeah, you're like, kind of like, you're going steady. Like, does that mean that you've also lost your virginity? Not necessarily. Okay. Yeah. So- okay. All of this ties in together. So she's really looking for this ring. But 
I'm not ready to give a ring. So we go to bingo. And there, but you, you are ready to go to bingo. I, you know, what are you going to do? So yeah. you're, you're, they're splitting $15 pots like four ways because there's two huge gyms full of people. Cover all. Last game of the night. That's when you get every single one on the whole board. I remember they called out I-27 and I looked down. Whoa, I'm like, that is weird that you know that. I-27. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. I said, bingo. Yeah. You heard this big, because nobody else called it out. There was no splitting. It was a single pot winner guy comes over and he's like yep 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 we got one winner that's the thank you for tonight here you go they count it out it's 1972 20 40 60 80 100 20 40 60 80 200 the guy put down i was like that's mine 200 bucks well jenny jenny thought for the rest of that weekend that first thing monday i am going to get that black and white pro ring i oh, looked at Bill. my i looked at my oh, mother Bill. On Sunday, and I said, Mom, the best hockey shop in the world was right over the oh, no right way. over the Peace Bridge in Fort Erie, Ontario. Uh, I said, Mom, would you please take me over? Those goalie pads right there were brand new. They were $199. I had 200 bucks. I walked over there. I walked in. I slapped that money down. And you're not getting any pussy because Jenny's <laughs> like, those are incredible. Those are my goalie pads. And I pads. love it that you brought them to Los Angeles. I, I hang them in, in my office. They're incredible. They hang up on the wall. Hey, dear listeners, Bill Fickner brought over these ancient leather... Cooper. Cooper goalie pads. So were you goalie? Yeah. yeah. That is a high stress position. Yeah. And you don't even really get to communicate too much. It's like you're left alone like half of the game. Yeah. Isn't that scary? No, it's wonderful. It was... What do you mean? Meditative? When we moved in, and I was six, seven years old. The yeah. older kids in the neighborhood said, put as many winter coats on as you can put on. They put me a catcher's mask and a catcher's like chest thing. And down at the creek that froze at the end of our street, they needed a kid to be the goalie so they could fire their pucks at. And I was that kid. So for years, they just fired pucks at me. Imagining you with three sisters or four sisters? Four. Four. And then to get to be, to like hang with the boys... Down at the creek. Mm -hmm. That must have been fucking awesome. It was the best. What would your Sunday morning be? No. I'll tell you what I do every Sunday morning, just about. I usually wake my 17-year-old and I tell him, what do you want for breakfast? Because we have 25 minutes. You ask him what he wants? Yeah, because I'm going to help him out. I'm going to help much. 6.30 in the morning, and, and we got to be at the baseball field by 7.30. I just went to, for the first time, Jack's soccer game. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah. How was that? You, you could read. <laughs> no, you won't be able to relate to this at all, because I was totally confused. I texted some friends uh, saying, can I bring a script? Are people going to be annoyed? Or are they going to judge me? And my friend texted back, yes, they are going to judge you. Don't do that. And I was like, so what am I supposed to do? <laughs> and they were like, watch your kid. It's like, how entertaining is a seven-year-old playing soccer? Yeah. So he's in the soccer game, right? And he's running around with all the other kids. And there's these kids that are really good. They're like spinning the ball. There's seven. And they're fast and they're just zipping and they're like doing little head bonks or whatever they are. <laughs> and, and Jack is like running up there right next to him. But as soon as there's any kind of contact, yeah, it's like he kind of just scoots away. So it's this whole act. And I was so proud because I did that. It was like, pretend like you're involved and then run sort of conveniently out of the way. Let the other kids deal with that business and you'll just sort of wait over here and then pretend like you're getting back into the action. My big boy Van, who I've, who's 17, yeah. who I just showed you that picture from his football game last week, plays on the defensive He's, line and just crunch oh. in the middle. When he was six and he was on a soccer league, he would go wherever that ball went. He would not go in that direction. The whole contact thing was, it just wanted no part of it. True story. One day the ball ran down and he was near the ball and he took off toward the ball. And Kimmy and I looked at each other and we went, oh my God, he's going for it. He's going for it. 
It was like the goalie, the ball. He's running. And you're for like, it. finally, he's, he's, like, a, he's, he's, he's like, maybe he likes this sport. He's going for it. I, I swear to God, I'm my love for my wife. Uh, and then- he's running. He's running. <laughs> he gets up to the ball. He's still running. And the two of us looked up and somebody let a balloon go. And he ran right off the thing onto the next because it was one of those multi-like field things. Kept running across the other game. And he just kept running for the balloon that was in the air. I had to go get it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Saturday, the soccer game that I was just talking about, somebody was blowing bubbles on the sidelines. And the same thing happened with Jack. He was just running right off. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. There's an interesting challenge in talking with somebody that I know well. So I almost feel hesitant to ask you personal things. Okay. How did you meet Kimmy? I met Kimmy because I got my first significant job doing a play at a regional theater in Syracuse, New York. And I was thrilled. I was a young actor in my late twenties. I was walking through the door of the theater. It was the first day of rehearsal and I'm walking through the lobby and I looked over to the right and there was three girls sitting there and there was one girl with jet black curly hair and I took a, a single take, like, wow, it's a pretty girl. Took a double take, got to the door, walked through the door, took a triple take and thought, she's just absolutely stunning. And I was there for two and a half months. And over that time, I just got to know her and her friends little by little Wait, by little. What did she do in the part as part of the She production? was a student. She was a student at Syracuse University. She had so nothing to do with the production. Just, she just she came. was a theater major. So, so she, she was in the building. To the play a weird amount of times? No, she was just in the lobby of the theater, which was all part of the college. Was this in the time of pagers? This was, no, this was mid-80s. Did you call her? Were you like... Oh, all right. So the day that I meet Kimmy when I walk in the lobby, that's a Monday. On the Saturday, two days before, I've been dating this girl in New York and I moved in with her. So I'm happy. I'm in love. I just moved in with somebody. The next day on Sunday, I drive up to Syracuse. The next day I see Kimmy in the morning. Even when we had days off or weekends off during rehearsal, I would hop in my old car and I would drive back to New York because I would go and see the girl I was in love with. Right. But I found myself in two and a half months just spending more and more time with this girl, Kimmy and her friends, Libby and Tracy. They all live together. And Kimmy, Libby and Tracy? Kimmy, Libby and Tracy. Damn. I see them all the time. Really, every summer. I wish they had like a triple bunk bed. So long story short, when we finished the show, I said goodbye to her. I told her, you know, listen, call me sometime if you're ever in New York. She called me up one day. I went absolutely dead on the phone because I was home with the woman I was living with. And I obviously had a lot more feelings for her than I thought, because I kind of clammed up on the call. I hung up. That was an absolute first in my life I to bet. feel like that. Yes, right. Because you, you found out where she was star. working. Oh, man, that's sweet. Okay, so go, go I went on, to go. say hi to her. I saw her. She was absolutely gorgeous. And I thought to myself, what are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm living with somebody. I'm happy. This is just, I wrote her a letter. I wrote her a letter and I told her, listen, I hope this finds you well and I'm going to get married and good luck. And basically saying, I, I, I can't keep in touch with you. So I didn't. I got married. I had Sam. I was married for seven years. I went through a divorce. 
darkest days of my life. Um, here's the fun part. So I had a pickup truck at the time and I was at my favorite do-it-yourself car wash on the Palisades Parkway outside of New York City. And I'm sitting there just spraying my car down. I had no money, no job. I'm going through a divorce. Life is really rough. And I look over by the garbage can in, no. the, in the car wash. And in front of the garbage can is this little wicker spice bottle like you hang from the rear view mirror with tassels on it. Something like you get in the islands in the Caribbean. It's got a scent to it. It's a pretty little thing. I picked it up and I was yeah. like, oh, wow. That smells like Kimmy. Kimmy's perfume. Ten years. Ten years have gone by. I never forgot the scent of her perfume. This is pre-cell phone. So I get in the car. I drive back to my apartment on 80th and Amsterdam. I knew a guy that worked for Syracuse University in the development office. I called him up. I said, Tom, do you got access to the alumni computer? And he's like, uh, yeah, no. Yeah, why? And I said, you got to give me a number. So he goes, you didn't get it from me. Uh, so here I am with the number. I'm going to dial the number. And I thought, oh, I can't call her. I'm going to look like a jerk. What if her husband picks up? So I dialed the number and a woman picks up. I said, hi, is Kim there? And there's a long pause. And she said, hi, Bill. Ten years. And I said, uh, are you married? And she said, no. And I said, would, would you have dinner tomorrow? And she said, yeah. So she gave me her address. I said, I'll pick you up at 8 o'clock. There was an airline back then called People's Express. I booked a flight and... I flew to LA, I got a rental car and I, I drove right to her house and knocked on the door and she walked out and gave her a kiss and took her to dinner and explained my entire life to her and where I was at and where she was at. And I said, I'm in the middle of, of a divorce and it's going to take a while. And it, I think when I found out my divorce was final, I, I asked Kimmy within a matter of days. We're married 21 years now. She was somewhere in my mind, but now she's on my mind every day. But isn't that the thing though, that she had been like in there? She told me that a few months before that, she got one of those things in the mail, one of those alumni questionnaires, fill out your information. She always threw them in the garbage. And then one time she was like, oh, I don't know, I'll fill it out and put her number down and everything and put it back in. And it wouldn't have been in the system if uh, she didn't do that. So That's amazing. Yeah. What was amazing was back then when I knew her, when I met her first at Syracuse, there was something that was so powerful and so amazing and way bigger than I, I was ready to take on. I just, it, it's hard to describe, but yeah. I just thought I just don't feel like I can break the chain of what's happening in my life right now. And you know, it wasn't meant to be. If you could go back and tell your 18 year old self something, what do you think it would be? I kind of like the advice that I would have given myself at 18. I kind of was already doing the advice. I would only say you can do it more. Go for it. Always go for it. Would you tell your sons that? Absolutely. And it's different for each son because, you know, my 17 year old, he's a sports boy and go for it, Van. You have so much more power than you could even tap into or even know about now. Sam, he's just a creative being. I mean, Sam, let me give you an example. Sam was, was working in a job within this business. And uh, was it powerful? Was it turning on his creative self? No. And I, I talked to him a few months ago and I'm like, listen, buddy, the day's going to come. And maybe that day is right now where you need to take a walk. And it's going to seem absolutely nuts because you're going to walk away from a really great job and everything. But if you feel like you're not alive inside, you're not making a back step by walking away. Go walk away. First thing he did was he wrote that short film and made it. Okay, I know you've listened to our podcast. So here's what happens. Our dear listeners have submitted some questions. So we're going to call them. Hey, this is Anna. Hi, Anna. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm here with Bill Fickner, my unbelievable co-star. Hey, Chris. Hi, Mr. Fickner. How are you doing, sir? Uh, pretty excellent. Thank you. My wife, Stephanie, and I are huge Anna Thurs fans. Uh, I cannot tell you how excited I am and how privileged I am. 
You're so kind to do this. Tell us what's going on. I have a friend. We've been friends since sixth grade. And when I got married several years ago, and this is not to go off on my ex-wife, she kind of put a quota on how often I was going to see my friends. When we fled after 14 months of marriage, I thought all was well. And then I met my current wife, and my friend had plans for a birthday party. And I didn't realize until the morning of his birthday party that it was on a Friday in the middle of the day. So um, I told him, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. My wife and I are both working. And I said, is there any way we can come by later on this evening? I'm so sorry. And he said, sure, not a problem. Then I get a Facebook message from his wife saying what an awful friend I am, that I've always put him on the back burner. And, of course, I was devastated. And now she, she won't let us hang out. And my friend and I have to sneak lunch dates throughout the year and text messages. And I just feel awful. I don't like going behind her back. I know that she's trying to do what's best for her husband. But by the same token, it's driving me nuts because I, I can't stand the fact that she doesn't like me. Oh, boy. Wow. Hey, let me ask you something, Chris. Is it your friend's wife and your wife that both don't approve? No, my wife is I, I'm just going to cut to the chase a little bit, Chris. You, you cool with that? Sure, absolutely. All right, listen, this is what I have to tell you. You're buddies with your buddy for a reason because you guys have been friends, like you said, since you were kids. And that's great. This is not something that you have a tremendous amount of control over. This is your buddy's wife. It sounds, from what you're telling me, that the issue lies with her. It's not something that you can fix. Your buddy can fix it. But it's really in his domain and in his world where it needs to be fixed. And there's nothing broken on your side of the fence, except for your desire to still stay friends with him. Do I think that it's the right call on your part to end this friendship? Why? He's your buddy. If he cares about being friends with you, then you got to start expressing yourself. And that's what he needs to do with the woman that he's married to. If he's willing to do that, he is. If he isn't, well, then... You guys can send texts on the slide if that works for you, but uh, it's not really your thing. That's kind of my thoughts, too. I kind of feel like maybe he doesn't want any friction with his wife, and that's why it's just so confusing. And what does your wife think? She thinks he needs to confront her and let her know we're friends and uh, own up to it and let her know that we've been friends for a long time and explain that, you know, I'm not the type of person to put my friends on the back burner. I have a small group of friends and, you know, like I said, we've, we've all grown up together and, and I always consider them family. Um, so she thinks that he just needs to tell her that you know, we're friends and, and that's that. Oh, man. So what parties and why are feeling injured here? I hate that the message that she sent came out of left field and I feel like maybe I'm misunderstood. I understand that, you know, she wants what's best for her husband. But I, you know, want to respect her wishes. If she doesn't want me to continue friendship with somebody, then I've had for all these years. I hate the fact that we can't just pick up where we left off. I just wish that our families could hang out and be close. I feel like I'm... Missing something here. What, what is it about keeping in touch that she thinks is just such a bad thing because you missed one party because you were at work? My ex-wife limited how often I was able to see my friends. And I think then she felt that I was constantly bailing on certain gatherings or events. I think it was just this straw that broke the camel's back when we said we're going to be late. Can we swing by later? Are things good with you and your wife right now? With my current wife? Oh, everything is fantastic. Uh, she is just amazing. So I think what's important is just to do what Bill said, have have like a frank talk with your friends, because it sounds like maybe the issue is also between their marriage and most importantly, though, protecting your relationship or what your goals are. There's always heartbreak in the in the loss of a friendship, but the ball's in his court. Exactly. Yeah, I just 
I wish he could have a conversation or, you know, hit a reset button. My ex-wife is pretty controlling with regards to, you know, who and where I could go. But that was only 14 months. And I was able to pick right back up with all of my friends after that. And um, I wish my friend's wife would give my current wife um, a chance because she's just so sweet and open arms and everybody loves her. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Have you ever asked him if he's talked to his wife? Yes, sir, I sure have. And he says, uh, quote unquote, she's, she's not ready. She pretty much will decide when, when it's okay. Oh, that sounds like she's having some control issues. Yes, ma'am. And that's another thing. Yeah, he has mentioned on a few occasions that things have been pretty rocky and, and that type of stuff. But, um, you know, that's kind of their deal. And I just, I wish that we could all, you know, be one happy family. <laughs> I so feel you. I wish that we all could. Oh, Chris. (laughs) And I wish that this problem were solvable right now, right here. But I don't know if it is. I think that this is one of those things where it's like time. Sometimes I feel like there's a very much deliberate decision when somebody choosing to be a grudge holder. And and I think that those people, until they're ready to solve the problem themselves— you can't really do it for them in any way. To hold a grudge just takes an awful lot of energy, and I won't give it to it, Chris. I just think that it doesn't sound from what you've shared with us that no matter what you do, that you're going to make much of a difference with this. It's somebody else has to make a call and have a shift, and that would be really healthy for your friend's wife to have that sort of shift, and it would be great for your friend. Yeah. But you can't, you can't, you can't do it. You can't force it. Yeah. No, you can't force it, and you can't That's make true. that decision. But you can suggest it to your buddy and you tell him. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Definitely talk this over with your wife and protect yourselves and maybe just give the whole relationship a pause because timing is everything. And sometimes people just need a minute to like breathe and regroup. But at the same time, I have no idea what I'm talking about. No, I disagree. Thank you all so much. Oh, I love you. And please be in touch. Please tell your wife that I love her. I absolutely will. She'll be thrilled. Okay. All Take right. Care. Bye, bye, Chris. I love you. Bye, Chris. I love you so love much. You. Thank you. Bill, you gave amazing advice. Thank you so much. And so did you. Okay. We're going to call Aaron. Hello. Hi, Aaron. This is Anna Ferris. Hi, how are you? I'm great. I'm here with Bill Fickner. Thank you so much for writing in a letter and being vulnerable with us. Will you tell us what's going on? I was at a wedding a few weeks ago. The groom introduced me to one of his groomsmen who was really attractive. And as I get older, I just find that that becomes increasingly rare where you just like are attracted to someone right off the bat. But he was more reserved. So it's not like it was some movie scene where it was instant love and sparks and fireworks. But we spent some time together throughout the night of the wedding. But um, at the end of the night, I ended up going home. And the next day, I kind of had some regrets. Two weeks later, which is now, for some reason, I'm still having some lingering thoughts which is weird for me because that just doesn't happen. And then there's one catch. He lives in D.C. and I live in Minneapolis. But like I said, it's not like it was some love-struck connection. 
for some reason, I just have this interest in getting to know him more. But long story short, I go to D.C. somewhat frequently, and we have each other's numbers. We texted a bit after the day after the wedding, but nothing crazy. So my question is, would it be completely random and weird if next month when I'm in D.C. that I text him to see if he want to grab a drink or something? I guess my main worry is he'll get the text and be like, sorry, who is this? Or just kind of think it's really strange and random. Or if I do text him, what do I say? So when you mentioned that you had regrets, you don't have to go into any detail, but did you guys kind of... It could have, but I just, for some reason, I just ended up going home instead. So it never really got to that point. It could have, but it just was late and I ended up just going home and we texted a little bit after that, but nothing... Yeah. How close are you with the bride and groom? I'm pretty close with him. So actually, the groom is who like introduced us and he knew that I was interested in his friend the night of the wedding. I've debated asking them. I'm also just kind of feel somewhat vulnerable about this. It feels strange to me because I don't really know this person. He doesn't live by me. But for some reason, I don't know if it's because... I'm so single and that's the first person I've, you know, met in recent times that I've found it interesting. Yeah. Um, God, doesn't it feel fun to fucking crush on somebody? It feels oh, yeah. so, it's it so is. delicious. So uh, were you better, are you better friends with the bride or the groom? So I went to college with the bride, so I know the bride better, but the groom, I know him pretty well through her just the last couple of years. I just want to make sure that you have the information that you need. Does he have a girlfriend or yeah. what's going on with him? I want to be like, text him, go there, take the next flight out. But I also want to make sure that you have somebody in your life that knows him that you can kind of count on. I have to tell you, my feeling is I would throw him a message right out there and I would make it light. And I would make it like, you know, I know you're missing me because it was the best night you've had in so long. Say whatever you want, but just be out there and yourself and tell them, listen, I'm heading there then. And I would just absolutely love what? to. What? I, I would. Yeah, I know you would. Why not? You're what? like this you got tall, me. good looking, like football player. No, but movie the truth star. about it is what I. Fuck you, Bill. What, what, listen what? to me. <laughs> What that I heard from that good. night is, you know what? There's no doubt about it. Something happened that night that was pretty cool. And you know what? It sounded like it ended pretty yes. cool, too. Okay, but here's where we deal with our fundamentally sexist culture, right? Let's hear it. Like, as women, we're still conditioned for a man to be a little bit more of the aggressor. So yeah. when that doesn't happen, it feels more vulnerable, I think, to our gender. Yeah, it does. Listen, then, yeah, okay. I'm a, we're, okay. we're going to go tit for tat. Here? Yes, we are. All right. OK, so let's sit back and think about that and wonder if he's going to be the aggressor. But for how long? And maybe he doesn't think that it's there. But I do think this that, guy, but I do. If she likes him, why not? You have because absolutely she, she's nothing exposing, to lose. What are you talking about? She has her heart to lose. First of all, hold on a second. Of course, listen, we're talking to you, Aaron, and I don't know this gentleman, but your heart is the thing that we're talking about. What and makes a difference You're also here. giving us a chance to argue, Bill and I. You know, so, thank so you. my <laughs> feeling is this. I do think that what Anna said is, is smart, which is do a little recon on this and find out. Yeah. Does he have a girlfriend? Is there something going on in his life? Was it just exciting from that weekend, but there's really someone else? Then that makes the picture a lot more clear. If that's the case and there isn't somebody, like you said already, he's shy. He may be shy and never make that call. But I got to tell you something as a guy, sometimes if a woman reaches out and sends a message, it's been a long time for me. But when it happens, really? No, but really, when though. I was younger, if, if somebody sent me a message or reached out or it's absolutely thrilling. Yeah, I agree that it's thrilling. But doesn't it also sort of convey a message of weakness in your 20s? I don't think so. If somebody conveys it as weakness. There's nothing you can do about that. But as people, when you reach out to someone else, 
There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You're if right. he found that to be a weakness, you know what? How sad for him. Yeah. It's probably not the guy that you're going to hang around with or yeah. should. Yeah. I do think that you should reach out to him. I just want you to protect yourself. I know it's kind of silly. Like, what would I even expect to come from that other than maybe we get one drink and then whatever because we don't live remotely close to each other. So that's the other thing. Is it even worth doing? And I like to think that there's a cultural shift happening in terms of like strength in women feeling like, oh yeah, okay, I could pursue this. And if I get rejected, fuck that, who cares? I've never been an aggressor in terms of any relationship. So it's easy for me to be like, yeah, text him. But I have not been that person at all in my life because I was sort of raised that women are supposed to act like a certain way. I'm waiting for to be pursued, but do a little recon. Then I would definitely text him. I would definitely text him. You had a magical wedding night and it was really fun. And who knows? He could be like, no, I can't make it. Then it would be just move on. But he could also be like, yeah, let's, let's meet up and. Or move forward. Yeah. Or yeah. move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Over to the Lincoln Memorial. <laughs> and then the Jefferson. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is the most beautiful of them and all. And the Smithsonian. And well, the you're going to have to be there multiple weekends for all of that. Aaron, will you please be in touch? Yes, I definitely will. Thank you so much. I am a huge fan of the podcast, and I am so was so happy to um, hear that you guys were going to be calling me. I love you, Aaron, and please be in touch because I've got to know what happens in DC. All right, bye, bye Aaron. Bye. Bye. Bill, thank you so much for coming on Unqualified. But you need to do me a favor. When You have to tell me what happens with Eric. Yeah, I will. I got a good feeling about that. Well. No matter what happens. You're right. I think it's a good thing. No matter what happens, she's got yeah. a strong head on her shoulders. You, yeah. you just feel it. Yeah. Anyway. Bill, thank, thank you. you. And congratulations on Coldbrook. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks so, so much. So it opens on all the streaming applications. All of it. November 8th. Every single one. Everyone. Everyone ever known to man. (laughs) Do you want a burrito to take home? Love you. Do I want (laughs) one? Yes.